Hey everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Wednesday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, no LeBron James on Tuesday. The Lakers put up a good fight but lose to the Clippers. What are we doing here heading into the trade deadline? That's next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everyone for making Locked on Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcast. This one is always free. It is never behind a paywall. And Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go hang out with over 22,000 subscribers, all of whom are wondering just exactly what went wrong with the Lakers uh, on Tuesday night. The Lakers, no LeBron James. Um playing against one of the the hottest teams in the NBA, a team they had just beaten you know, what is it, 10 days ago or whatever, uh, that they'd already beaten twice this year. Uh, it is hard to beat a team like the Clippers three times uh, in, in a row, um, especially when they're angry and motivated and you don't have uh, your second best player and team leader. So um, the result itself in terms of the Lakers losing to the Clippers, not terribly surprising, Andy. I mean, they played hard. I mean, they played... You know, they did the best they could. It's hard. This is one of the games, at least to me, Andy, this was one of those games where it's hard to get too upset by the, the by the this score in like micro terms, but it raises all kinds of macro questions about what exactly it is the Lakers are trying to do this season. Yeah, as far as the game itself goes, the Clippers controlled it. And even though the Lakers within the fourth quarter got it to two. I don't think the Clippers at any point panicked or worried about what was going on with the Lakers. But despite controlling the game, I think the Lakers made them work to control it. And it, yeah, what jumped out at me, especially in the fourth quarter of this game, because like you mentioned, there's no LeBron. A trend that we've seen this season, because the Lakers are now two and three in games without LeBron this season. And that in and of itself jumps out at me just because over the last few seasons, like 700 games below 500 without LeBron. And we've even seen them play against other good teams without LeBron. You know, there was the recent game in Minnesota against the Wolves where they lost but played that game very credibly without LeBron. And what jumps out at me, because it's kind of a trend, for three-ish quarters, I think they can hang with just about anybody, even without LeBron. And in certain respects, things that they need to do, like play with maximum intensity on both sides of the ball for sustained periods, in all honesty, that is easier to do without LeBron, given where LeBron is at this stage of his career and the areas where he needs to pace himself, particularly defensively. I'm not saying it's flawless without him. But I think in certain respects, that is actually easier for them to do, more practical for them to do. The fourth quarter, though, where they could use maximum offensive organization, that's where they really miss LeBron and to wit. In the fourth quarter of this game, the Lakers were just under 35% from the floor and one of six from behind the arc with 
five turnovers. So to, to your point there, Andy, about the fourth quarter, put another way, the, the Clippers shot almost, um, 60% in this game, 59.1%, uh, overall, the Lakers actually held them to 21 points in the fourth quarter and lost the fourth quarter by two points. Yeah. Like that is, I'm not saying they should have come back and won the game. This is, but like, you know, you hold a team to 21 points in, in a quarter, you ought to at least win the quarter and the Lakers couldn't do it because, you know, like you say, the, you know, D'Angelo Russell who played overall, you know, I think a pretty strong game um, and helped the Lakers stay in it as, as much as they were, you know, he had some, some real shaky moments, that ball pressure, you know, the Clippers are, I know Lakers fans don't like talking about this sort of thing, but the Clippers are particularly in the fourth quarter um, when, you know, they can hide James Harden, who at the very least is still a very large body. And you start cranking up Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in crunch time. And those guys, you know, Terrence Mann on a wing, that is a lot of size and a lot of length and a lot of athleticism to deal with. And it's just, it was more than the Lakers had available to them to try to counter on Tuesday night. Yeah. And to the Lakers' credit, you know, D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves justifiably get a lot of heat and focus from Lakers fans for their defense and them being liabilities, particularly when paired together, and that is fair. I thought in this game, D'Lo and Reeves both played some of the best defense we've seen from them this season. I, I thought they both – if you want to say it's a lowish bar to clear, whatever – but I thought both of them actually really fought a lot defensively. I, I was. I, I will give you. I, I think I'll agree with you here. The effectiveness you can certainly just. But like, the effort was there. I will say, like you know, the other thing about it, I mean, is, Reeves had some pretty good sequences, whether matched against Kawhi or Harden. And look, he got you know, you're right. Used and, 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 and the size. I tweeted. I, I texted this to you during. I, I tweeted it out, but I, we were talking about it during the game, like. Austin Reeves is 6'5", you know, 200 pounds. He's not like a well-built, you know, Adonis or whatever, but he's not a little guy. He's not a short six foot two, you know, little. He's not a small guard. Um, and when, it, regardless of which member of the big three he ended up switched on to, and it was all of them at different times of the, of the game, assigned to or switched to or whatever, because, you know, the Clippers, they went after him pretty hard. Um, he looked like a small child. Like you forget just how big their big three is uh, on the Clippers because none of them are technically bigs, but these are enormous human beings. And I mean, Kawhi can double as a power forward and often plays as one. Right. But you understand what I'm getting at. Like yeah. they're not Joel Embiid or Nikola, Nikola Jokic or whatever. And so, you know, there were times when I thought Reeves worked really hard and did what as much as he could and came up short, you know, Kawhi hitting shots around him or just over him or George going over him in ways that Reeves can't defend and Reeves tried. But you know, the other thing that happens when LeBron isn't there, and I think this impacts why the Lakers struggle so much in fourth quarters when he's is they get tired. I mean, because you know, Russell played 40 minutes in this game. Reeves played 34, but these are, you know, like 34 really hard minutes. Yeah. Like, you know, that's that's 42 or 43, 44 
uh, minutes worth of effort for for Reeves. So I think that you run out of energy and you run out of gas um, down the stretch. And the Lakers, the Clippers did a nice job closing off Anthony Davis uh, in the offense and just saying like somebody else going to beat you, beat it. it was Russell, Hachimura, Prince whoever um and we're not let, letting you do it and and the Lakers just didn't have an answer for it it wasn't terribly surprising no i mean you can lose a matchup defensively you know for the majority of a game but still i think do things credibly defensively depending on who you're up against like there was a there was a series in the first half where Rui was matched up against Kawhi Leonard in isolation and i thought defended him perfectly fine and was clearly busting his ass. The problem is he was matched up against Kawhi Leonard and Kawhi Leonard, particularly in his sweet spots, which he is pretty damn difficult to keep getting from. He's just really, really hard to stop. Yeah. Let's, let's stick on this for a second um, and then get into some of these bigger things around, you know, D'Angelo Russell and the trade deadline and Jared Vanderbilt, because I, I mean, the point I want to make next is about Vanderbilt who played 25 minutes. Um, but if ever there was a night where maybe you might want to stick him in the starting lineup or at least give him more time on the floor, this might've been it. We'll talk about it next. Lockdown Lakers is brought to you by Hungry Root, the easiest way to get fresh, high-quality food delivered to your door. They've got healthy groceries and simple recipes all in one place. And as someone who has enjoyed a Hungry Root shipment, let me tell you, you are in for some awesome eating. Just take a fun, short quiz so Hungry Root can get to know you, how you like to eat, favorite flavors, kitchen appliances that you use, all sorts of those details. And they will keep your preferences top of mind and start building your cart with awesome recipes and your grocery needs for the week. Hungry Root has fresh produce, high-quality meat and seafood, pantry staples, healthy snacks, sweets, and more. Some of my favorites, the half chicken, the lemon pepper flavor, the cucumber corn black bean salad was great on its own or mixed into another salad. I had it both ways. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Locked on NBA channels, forty the listeners, 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. And you just go to hungryroot.com slash locked on, get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's hungryroot.com slash locked on. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. Locked on Lakers also brought to you by eBay Motors, passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, kits, LED headlights, uh, fire extinguishers. That's something Andy once wished he had in his car and more. Whether you're into speed, power, style, or putting out fires, eBay Motor has, Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit available only to U.S. customers. 
I, I think what's what's kind of you know the the, the Russell and you talk about the defense. It's like th- this gets into one of the problems that the Lakers have is like even when they are fully engaged, you know the, the Reeves Russell Prince um, combination just has holes in it, and certain teams are going to be able to exploit that um, better than others. Lakers have gotten away with it in different games. It certainly makes a difference when LeBron is there because it requires the other team to do things differently, both offensively and defensively, um, and that makes a difference. But, you know, I one of the things, I, it was pretty clear to me, you know, I, I don't think you disagree that the Lakers had very little margin for error in this game. They're going to win all the little shots, open corner for, for Torian Prince that he misses, a little baby hook off a nice feed from Jared Vanderbilt uh, that, that D'Angelo Russell blows the little uh, the little baby jumper in the lane. A few plays from Vanderbilt around the rim that just needed to go in that didn't. Stuff like that. Um, the Lakers just didn't have enough margin for error, and that includes Darvin Ham's choices in, in his rotation. I have been somewhat agnostic about who starts because I'm looking more at playing time. One of, us, like, one of us, yeah, one of us, one of us, one of us, one of us. If Jared Vanderbilt isn't going to play, isn't going to start, okay, fine. Maybe you're worried about like leaving your defense Say too exposed off the start. bench. Say it. <laughs> Say it. Say it. He needs to start, Brian. Say it. He needed to start on Tuesday. That's for sure. He needed to play more than 25 minutes. And uh, that was a... You talk about margin for error. Whether those minutes come from Torian Prince or Rui Hachimura or probably both, they needed more Vanderbilt because the one guy who was able to kind of stand up mano a mano to one of the big Clippers players, and only one of them at a time because it's just mean to make him try to do two at a time, um, is Vanderbilt. And so the other guys, you know, Hachimura can try real hard, but, you know, He's going to get put on skates by Kawhi. Um, the only guy who can kind of stay with him is Vanderbilt, or I guess to some degree Reddish. Um, but let's focus on Ooh. Vanderbilt. Yeah, I mean Reddish. By the way, got, took a uh, nasty landing, um, stepped on James Harden's foot, guarding a three. Looked at initially, I was like, "Did Reddish tear Could something?" Could walk. Yeah, he did look. It looked really bad. He thankfully seems like he's okay. He was actually back on the bench and was listed as available to return to the game. He didn't, but hopefully he is fine moving forward because, I mean, just nothing else for his general health. That looked awful. As far as the, the Vando question, I've been beating this drum for a while. Like I've said before, I would not go so far as to call starting – Torian Prince ahead of Vando indefensible because I get why you would do it like in theory, just looking for maximum floor spreading, like maximum offensive pop to start games. Like I get it. I just don't think it's the right decision. And I haven't thought it's a right decision for a while, especially once you put D'Angelo Russell back in that starting lineup between D'Lo and Reeves, With LeBron, with AD, you should have enough shooting and scoring options that you need to actually start thinking about ways to offset the defense and the rebounding that you are to some degree losing with both D'Lo and Reeves, but also with Prince. 
because Prince works in certain defensive matchups, but not all. And in the meantime, he's he is for his position a weak defender. Like he's and he's always been his whole career. It's not something he does well. Prince, I mean, I, I think there are certain. I think it depends on how he's deployed. He can be kind of average, and he, you know, he can do certain things. He's something. His grades grades out relatively average. But you're also now talking about, you know, average at, at a place when you have guys who are, you know, like D'Lo and Reeves who are are not performing average. They're they're below that, which puts more pressure on Prince. And I I I, I am happy to see that this as a matchup dependent type thing. Um, there are teams that the Lakers play where I, I think, for for lack of a better term, you can get away with the starting lineup. They've gotten off to good starts lately. It hasn't been a real big issue. Um, but the balance there needs to be better. And then you have to – the other part about the balance of it is it's like, okay, so we got this all-offense lineup, and then they went to the reddish-Vanderbilt thing, and it kind of worked a little bit in the first half. They got the defensive pressure, some turnovers yeah, this, and stuff like that. This is not my hang-up the way it's yours. I mean, this is but more of your thing. It didn't is go as well. You know, they, they it's just in, in, in other moments, like the – the amount of you better force turnovers and big stops basically every time down the floor because the Lakers get so easy to defend and hurt them later. Um, and just like the, the it, 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 it can if, if the if the players need to make that the the gotta go in shots like the 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 timely ones and we all know what they're talking about every shot counts and every point can count or whatever but we all know during the course of a game you're watching and you're like that this like you see it on the way up like that's got to go in um and it doesn't and the you know the lakers missed those shots on tuesday the clippers almost without fail made them i mean granted they made 60% of the shots total so but <laughs> Like if the players have to make those shots, then Darwin is also judged by the same standard of no margin for error. And the sort of wild swings between the all offense and the all defensive lineups, I didn't think what they did was necessarily stupid. The Lakers were shorthanded, whatever, but there were enough of these moments where you're going like, who isn't on the floor? Who is on the floor that I just I I I, I give leeway to coaches more and i know i get the mail it, it makes some fans annoyed this one was not up to par well I, when we've talked before about how clearly darvin has had a difficult time landing on what he's looking for and at times it hasn't always been clear exactly what he is looking for but if there's a commonality to what appears to be that struggle to find it he doesn't seem to ever be looking for just balanced lineups where you get, he looks like he's trying to find the maximum version of one thing that he's looking for, or like one ethos as opposed to a balance of it, because it's almost like he's searching for perfect, like some perfect combination that will paper over some of the other adjustments that he may need to come up with during a game. Because it there are times where it feels like he's just trying to land on the thing that will just work out naturally, or just lands on, and, and there's no such thing. Like no, I mean, unless, I mean, other than maybe the Celtics starting five and Denver starting five, there there's no perfect starting five in the league. Like something like that is really rare to land upon, and 
you may just have to kind of coach. It's, <laughs> you know? it's not even for me. It's not just the starting five issue. It's you know, it's the. But okay, I think it begins with the starting five, and then there's sure. the ripple okay. effect from there. But it's it's like, what are you doing next? It's like the 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 idea. It's like in this game, because I do believe, and I think there are a lot of really smart people who have broken down Vanderbilt's game in his his total game in in really smart ways, and 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 understand where he is most effective and where he is and what he can do and what he can't. And look, he he blew a bunch of stuff around the rim that really hurts. The Lakers do get easier to defend when he plays long stretches. But sometimes it's just like they've got Paul George, James Harden, and Kawhi Leonard on the floor. The Lakers just don't have the personnel to try to guard that Without Vanderbilt playing thirty minutes in this game, well, I mean, look, for, you know, just this is this is one of the games. If LeBron isn't available, where you need to lean on Vanderbilt more and figure out the offensive stuff. Um, D'Angelo Russell, overall, you know, fourth quarter issues aside, played another really strong game. Uh, finished nine of twenty-one, but he had twenty-seven points, ten assists, uh, five turnovers, too many. But he was a big reason the Lakers were able to stay close in this game in the way that they were. Um, the, the, as, as he continues to play this way, Andy, it gets to some really interesting questions about what exactly the Lakers are trying to accomplish, um, at the trade deadline and what they think they can accomplish. So I want to ask you a couple questions about that next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by FanDuel and the NFL playoffs, they are just about wrapping up before we get to the biggie, but there is still time to get on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's it. You get 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose, just with a $5 bet. And the app is really, really easy to use. A lot of different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays. And obviously, there are NBA options as well. As well as of this recording, the Lakers are 30-1 to 1 to win the NBA title. Uh, Anthony Davis, 151 for MVP, 19-1 to 1 for Defensive Player of the Year. And Austin Reeves, he's fallen a bit for Sixth Man of the Year, 75 to 1. So visit fanduel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. You have a, we have an interesting scouting report. You had a chance to talk to Brad Rowland, the host of Locked on Hawks, about DeJounte Murray. We're going to try to bring that to you um, for tomorrow's show um, because he is at the center of really every large trade rumor. I would say at this point, Andy, he's the, the biggest name. That's still like talked about as you know, really like really available right now. I mean, there's I mean Zach Levine, but nobody seems to want him. Nobody seems to want him, right? And he's hurt again. And so, uh, of the guys that seem really sought after, mm -hmm. um, it's it's Dejounte Murray, which to me says a couple things. First of all, uh, this trade deadline is not filled with that one difference making superstar kind of guy who you're going to get. I mean, no, the closest guy, the closest guy would have been Pascal Siakam and he already went yeah. in the end. He's a good player, but he's not a great player. Murray, um, you know, Siakam's an all-star. Then that's a good point. Um, but it also really raises the question of like what the Lakers are trying to do because 
Um, our friend Damon Rangula, who's a phenomenal follow, uh, if you're if you don't know him on Twitter, um, made a point today. Like he's kind of disengaged from this trade deadline because it's just the Lakers been in it too much, and it's like the sixth year in a row of this sort of trade deadline um, drama for them, and there's never anything that's settled. And I replied to that. I was like, and this team does not exactly project a one-player-away vibe right now. And I think the Lakers have to be really careful about what it is that they're trying to accomplish at this trade deadline. There are a lot of different ways to approach it. Um, what is your thought about like how, how much should they sacrifice for the now for this team? I mean, it depends on how much of the now – doesn't include the future. Like, for example, with DeJounte Murray, um, even if you think he is better than D'Angelo Russell, and I think the general consensus among people who cover the league and, and from what I've seen from our, either the YouTube comments or uh, our Twitter following, it, it seems a general consensus is people think Murray's better than D'Lo, which, okay, sure, he is not so much better than D'Lo. Like, this is not a gap between Pau Gasol and Kwame Brown when the Lakers made that deal. Like, the Lakers do not seem like a team that is in a place where if you sub in DeJounte Murray for D'Angelo Russell, they all of a sudden become instant front-running contender. Like, they don't seem anywhere close to that. In a perfect world, and you might even argue a more sensible world, what you're looking to do is actually add DeJounte Murray to a team with D'Angelo Russell, not to mention LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Austin Reeves, and whoever else is still around. Like You would try to find a way to bring in DeJounte, Moore, to bring in DeJounte Murray to bring in more firepower. Because yeah. right now it does not feel like they've got enough where that one move makes them a contender. Now, if you're thinking maybe... DeJounte Murray, big picture, we would just like to have him, and this is the best time to get him. And whether or not it does anything for this year, we like the future with him, especially as we're getting closer to the end with LeBron. That's a different story. Yeah. But and and a different equation. Right. But for this season, if you are if you're thinking DeJounte Murray all of a sudden dramatically changes the trajectory of this team, I don't see it. I look at it like Murray. We 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 noted it for yesterday's show. Murray, some of the value for him is that he actually is under contract for a couple more seasons. Sure. So, as the Lakers theoretically try to lean into continuity, they actually have somebody who could be round for a little bit while longer. But um, Dave McMenamin had a really great breakdown on ESPN.com on Tuesday that kind of looked the different ways the Lakers are approaching this and. Um, one of them is like, you know, you mentioned how much of the future are you mortgaging at this trade deadline? Lakers can only trade one pick at this deadline. Um, they can trade Max Christie. They can trade Jalen Hood Shafino. Well, I, I didn't even necessarily really quick. Well, I wasn't even, yeah, I, I'm not talking about specifically what you're saying. I'm just saying generally, when you think about like how much of the okay. future can the Lakers mortgage in February this year, it's one pick plus you know, they're young players to whatever value that those guys have around the league. Um, Dave did point out that over, you know, when the summer comes around, um, 
they can add two more picks to that. So they'd have a, tr- a total of three uh, first-round picks that they'd be able to trade once they get to the draft, um, which... Because they have more clarity about the the impact of the Anthony Davis deal with the Pelicans. Correct. They, whether which, which season the Pelicans are going to take the pick, plus you yep. get at the end of every year, you can now reach one more year into the future in the picks that you're allowed to trade. Yes. And so... There, you know, there is a lot of conversation about Donovan Mitchell, for example, becoming available from Cleveland. I don't know how true it is, but you know, there's, it's that's definitely out there. The Lakers making a a a big pitch for a guy like that, who would basically become part of a big three while LeBron is still there, but then become Anthony Davis's wingman um, after that. But you can't do both. You can't try to save this season. And make that summertime trade for your next star for a post-LeBron era. You can't do both. And the Lakers have to make a choice. And what makes it hard for me, uh, I think what complicates it for them, is in this position last year, you can make a really solid argument that you got to be careful about what you what you trade because you can't salvage this year. You don't want to give up too much because this year is not salvageable. And then look what happened. So that's a model for like, hey, give it a try. But the flip side is, last year's not this year. No two years. I mean, it depends, I guess, to some degree on, let's say you did this with DeJounte Murray. And if you think he has enough value around the league, and he's still a fairly young player, I think he's basically entering, he's like entering his prime. He's, I think he's yeah. like 27, he's 28. Yeah. Yeah. If you think DeJounte Murray has enough value that he could, say, be the centerpiece of a trade to Cleveland for Donovan Mitchell, and you think you can use Murray to upgrade to Mitchell if the Cavs think they're going to lose Mitchell anyway, you could do worse as a consolation prize, particularly if you want to stay competitive than getting Murray. Yeah. But that becomes that becomes a gamble. Like I said, if, if you are not interested in in Murray as a long-term fit, I agree. You have to be very, very cautious. Unless you can just get him for 50 cents on the dollar somehow, which I doubt will happen because he's one of the only really good players that seems gettable, like you mentioned. unless Unless you like at least the concept of Murray as a long-term fit with Anthony Davis, you got to be careful because he alone will probably not save this season, even if yep. he makes this team better. It, it is a it is a difficult place that Rob Palenka is in. There is no question about it, and um, it is the problem that comes with a team that's five hundred. I know they dropped a game below, but you know there there's their five hundred team that has a lot of encouraging wins under its belt and just as many incredibly frustrating losses, but more importantly, has not shown the ability to rip off big, big sustained stretches of good play, but they were in the same position last year. Yeah. Tough tough calls. Make sure you are here for tomorrow's show. We'll, we'll do all that. We'll get you ready, of course, for a, Andy, we're going to call it a must-win against the Chicago Bulls at home um, before the Lakers now then head out on the road um, where they have not been particularly good. Um, so we'll maybe see if uh, any more information about LeBron, but really break down the game of 
uh, DeJounte Murray and how he might fit in with the Lakers. That's tomorrow. Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go hang out with over 22,000 subscribers, all of whom want to hear our scouting report on DeJounte Murray, which is coming tomorrow, as I might have mentioned. Uh, we'll see everyone tomorrow.